the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We're in the home stretch, heading into the May 3rd primary. It's Tuesday, and we've talked a lot about the GOP Senate race to succeed Rob Portman, governor's race as well. We've heard from all the candidates on the GOP side, except Matt Dolan, who knows that he'll get questioned here about his co-sponsorship of the Equality Act. So he doesn't come on, but that's okay, because uh, we like candidates who are willing to face tough questions. And so we welcome back to the show J.D. Vance, who uh, I saw and had a chance to chat with a bit Saturday at the Trump rally in Delaware County, where the former president, Donald Trump, made uh, formal his endorsement of J.D. as his preferred candidate in the primary. So, J.D., you have crisscrossed the state the last two days, and I would guess you're not letting up here with just a few days left in the campaign. No, we're not, man. We've we've been crisscrossing the state for, for, for you know a year, but really the past three months we've done nearly 60 town halls. Uh, we did three yesterday, three the day before. We will do a ton over the weekend as well. Uh, we've actually got, you know, sort of the big guns coming in. So Don Jr. was with us earlier this week. Uh, we've got uh, Steve Cortez uh, the past couple of days. And then, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Josh Hawley, and Matt Gates are going to come in. And Charlie Kirk going to come in for the final leg. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, the adrenaline is, is crazy high, but the message is pretty simple, which is that, look, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the Trump-endorsed candidate. I think I'm the candidate who's going to actually – advance the president's agenda in the Senate, but we have to win to, to do that. And we're in a good place now, but the race isn't over, and so people just have to you know, keep keep the pedal to the metal and hopefully get us over the finish line. Uh, your events calendar on jdvance.com has you on Saturday. You're in Newark at the Trout Club, noon on Saturday, and then Westchester, 3.30 p.m. Sunday, you'll be back in central Ohio at Circleville at the Pickaway Agriculture and Event Center. And Monday, back in central Ohio at noon, 12.30 at uh, Golf Club of Dublin, 12.30 on Monday. So you're hitting northeast Ohio, central Ohio, and Cincinnati, it seems like, every single day. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's, that's the goal, right? Uh, try, to, try to get your face out there, try to get your name out there, and, and make sure people know what you stand for. So what I wanted to give you the opportunity to do today is – to speak to people who, uh, you know, are not happy that you're Trump's endorsed candidate and you know where the criticism is coming from. And look, the policies are the policies. I think everybody in the race tried to be the Trumpiest candidate. You got the endorsement and that we'll see will weigh how heavily it will weigh with people. So what's been your reaction? Are you surprised at the level of vitriol you've taken from political action committees and your fellow candidates since you got the endorsement a week ago today? No, yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I'm not surprised at all. Look, the, the, the politics is a tough business, and as Harry Truman once said, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Uh, I, I think that, you know, obviously, if I, if I was Josh Mandel, I'd be mad that Trump endorsed me too. But that's just the nature of the game, and I think the president endorsed me again because he sees me as the person who's most closely aligned with him on the issues and can actually win in November, right? Some of these, some of these guys have not acquitted themselves well in the debates and other places, and I think the president's worried they could be losers. Of course, you know, Mandela's lost in the past. I, I, I really think that the, the reason 
PACs are going after me. And, you know, this is out-of-state money. Uh, I think something close to 15 to $20 million has been spent against me in the past six months of this race, is, is one issue, one word, trade. Uh, the president really changed the trajectory of the Republican Party when it came to the trade issue. We used to be a very soft on China, weak on China party. The president has made us the biggest and strongest fighters against Chinese theft of our manufacturing base. But he did that through good trade policies, and we have to continue those good trade policies. Now, the group that has come in for Mandel and against me uh, was one of the biggest anti-Trump groups in America in 2016. And this is the irony of all of these attack ads. They say that I'm insufficiently, that I'm not pro-Trump enough, even though the president has endorsed me, and even though they were far more anti-Trump in 2016 than I was. And I, I just ask you know, your listeners um, to give the president a little credit and importantly to follow the money. Because when you look at where our biggest supporters are coming from, you know, mine are America first people who stood by the president, frankly, even before I was for the president uh, six, seven years ago. If you look at where Mandel's money is coming from, it is from the pro-China Chamber of Commerce advocacy groups that do not want to send a senator from Ohio who actually agrees with the president on being tough on China. That's what this fight is really about. Are we going to be pro-China or are we going to be strong against China? I'm the strong against China guy, which is why they're spending so much money against me. A lot of these guys have gotten very rich by devastating the American middle class and shipping those jobs to China. J.D. Vance is our guest, GOP Senate candidate. He is on Twitter at J.D. Vance 1. His website is jdvance.com. So here's my situation. I'm going to back the Republican nominee in the fall. I'm not endorsing any candidate, but I will authenticate what you just said. Club for Growth, which is the PAC coming after you with pro-Mandel ads, indeed spent $7 million in 2016 in anti-Donald Trump commercials. They spent a million dollars in Iowa trying to end his campaign before it began. So that is a fact. You're not making that up out of thin air, out of whole cloth. That is true. They spent $7 million criticizing Trump and now criticize you for criticizing Trump when they were criticizing Trump. I'm not asking you to speak to that. I'm just, for my listeners, authenticating that. What I'm asking you is, I think, J.D., we've heard people say, oh, he's the author of Hillbilly Elegy. And a lot of people don't know what that is. So I want to give you a chance to personalize your growing up in Middletown, Ohio, what it was like and how a kid from Middletown who wrote a book about fentanyl and how it devastated your family and poverty and this, that, and the other, how did you get from there to Yale to a venture capitalist to running for Senate? By the grace of God and, you know, a little a little bit of luck along the way, man. I mean, I, I was raised by, you know, people who love me, but definitely, you know, we had a rough and tumble family in a lot of ways. Uh, Mom struggled with addiction. Though I'm proud to say she's clean and sober for seven years now. She was actually uh, at our house last night helping us take care of the kids. Um, you know, we, 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 were, we were raised in a family uh, that was hardworking, that was blue collar. You know, we didn't go to college. Nobody in my family had gone to college. My papa supported us with a union steel worker's wage. Uh, that steel mill uh, lost probably 85% of its jobs uh, as I was growing up in Middletown, Ohio, and the community was devastated, man, because what happens when those jobs disappear? Families start to fight. Then mom and dad get divorced. And then the drugs move in. And that, that cycle is something that I, it, that, I, that I saw happening growing up, and it's a cycle that I want to stop, man. You, know, you, you cannot build a country around broken families and around people collecting government checks instead of working good jobs. And that is what the Democrats have done. Frankly, it's what far too many Republicans have done. And, you know, I, I, I was I, just so much went right for me. You know, I, I had a mammal who loved me dearly, who was tough on me. 
Um, I had, you know, the U.S. Marine Corps I enlisted in 2003, which provided me a lot of discipline. Uh, went from there to Ohio State to Yale Law School and, and now, you know, have my own business here in Cincinnati. And I, I think just along the step of the way, man, whether it was my wife, my mom, my mamaw, uh, there were a lot of people who just stepped up for me in big ways. And uh, it, it's one of those things that, you know, that's why I want to run for the Senate is because those people, you know, my people, they deserve to have representation. They deserve to have somebody who cares about them in the U.S. Senate who isn't just speaking the lines or repeating the talking points or just so desperate for political power because they've been running for office since they were 12 years old. So uh, I'm running a different kind of campaign, and I'm running around the people who made me who I am, and hopefully it's going to be successful. I think you're interesting in that you've lived what appears to be a pretty hard scrabble life, and you've lived, I, I would assume, the private jet life. A lot of people that email me say, oh, ask J.D. Vance about Peter Thiel endorsing him. Can I address that, actually, Bruce? Because, look, you know, this, again, I, I say follow the money, and I'm not going to run away from somebody who's supportive of me. He has been supportive, been supportive of me. Uh, he's a friend of mine. But, but I, I ask people to look at what Peter Thiel has done in his life. Uh, he resigned from the board of Facebook because of their censorship of conservatives. He actually did that a few months ago. Uh, he was one of the first people within the tech world to say big tech is a major problem. It's censoring conservatives. Uh, he was the first major donor in the Republican Party to come out for Donald Trump in 2016. Frankly, before I was before Donald Trump, I remember him busting my chops about, you know, hey, this is going to be our guy. Trust me, there's something special about this movement. Uh, so, so I actually think when you when you follow the money and see who Peter Thiel actually is, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of him supporting me. I think it's a it's a badge of honor. Look at who else he supported: Trump, Josh Hawley in Missouri, Rand Paul, some of the best America First warriors in politics have been supported uh, by, by my friend. And, and look, I, I think it's a good thing, not a bad thing, when people who share your values are willing to support you with their resources. So you, we're talking with J.D. Vance, GOP Senate candidate. He is on Twitter at J.D. Vance 1. His website is jdvance.com. Okay, so just to get the life order right, you grew up, you enlisted in the Marines, you went to OSU. How did you swing it financially to go from OSU to Yale? Was that academic? Was that, I mean, I know my daughter was sought by some Ivy League schools for soccer, and I know that they are always looking to see if there's, uh, you know, a reason if you have something that they can feel good about letting you in, they uh, yep. they love that. Did your Middletown upbringing, your poor upbringing, help you get into Yale, or how did you get into Yale? Because a lot of people are like, oh, Ivy League guy, I'm, I'm afraid of an Ivy League guy. I don't know totally why. I definitely think the fact that I had, you know, an unusual background, not a whole lot of Marines who grew up in a, in a poor family apply. So I think that probably helped. Um, obviously, I had good grades and I worked hard at OSU. I was a terrible high school student, nearly fell out of high school, but I worked really hard at OSU. Um, and yeah, I mean, how did I afford it? Because the GI Bill. And that was the mm. big thing that really helped me uh, is, is, is both at Ohio State and in law school, I was able to, to really benefit from the GI Bill. And I don't think it would have been possible for me to graduate without a ton of student debt if I hadn't had access to that. So what inspired you to write the book? And I'm just wondering, you don't seem like one of those people. Did you have a did you have a life goal out there at 12, 13, 14? Or is it more like your life goal where you are right now running for the Senate has just seemed like a logical progression from steps you took as doors opened? No, I mean, my life goal, just to be honest with you, was to get married, to have a family, and to, to make enough money that I didn't have to worry about the things with them that I did when I was a kid. That was really my life's ambition uh, pretty much from the, the time I was a little kid. I remember wanting those three things, right, enough money um, so that I could provide for my family, and I wanted to, uh, you know, a, to, to marry a beautiful girl and to have a bunch of kids. And, 
you know, I'm very proud to, to, to have gotten there, but you start to think when you have kids and, you know, I, I was raised Christian, kind of stepped away from my faith, was actually baptized the first time three years ago, got back into it in a big way. You know, you, you start to think about these things and how the politics that we live in, uh, how it affects the things you care about. And, and it really, you know, you start to get to a point where you're, you're sick of whining about what's going on and complaining about it or throwing your remote at the TV, and you start wanting to actually get involved. And, you know, that, that kind of coincided at a point where, you know, I had some success in the business world, uh, didn't feel like I needed to make a whole lot of additional money, and, and really thought, you know, the country needed it. The country needed somebody who was going to say some of the things that needed to be said. I didn't think anybody in this race was doing it, so decided to throw my hat in the ring. J.D. Vance is our guest. When I got the chance to talk to you Saturday, I enjoy finding out who the real person is that's running. And I found interesting your conversation about your three kids, which I, it, I think makes you identifiable and relatable to a lot of people. How did you meet your wife? Yeah, we met in law school. Yeah, so she was, uh, she was you know, um, she was in the first class that I ever had. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of joke that she was my, my Sherpa a little bit because she, she knew that world a little bit better than I do. But she, you know, she came from an immigrant family, always felt a little out of place in the same way that I felt out of place at Yale. And I think we bonded over that and then eventually, you know, fell in love, started dating. And, and you know, now we're, we've been married for uh, coming on eight years and uh, have, have three kids, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, um, a four-month-old. And, you know, we'll see. Uh, ask me in a year. Maybe we'll have another one. <laughs> <laughs> J.D. Vance is our guest. He will be in Newark at noon Saturday, appearing with Margie, Marjorie Taylor Green and Matt Getz. That's at the Trout Club. Sunday, Central Ohio appearance, 1 p.m., Circleville, Pickaway Agricultural and Events Center. He'll be there with Charlie Kirk. Monday, Golf Club of Dublin. He'll be there with Charlie Kirk and Josh Hawley. That starts at 12.30 p.m. All right, I'll wrap up here, uh, just give you an opportunity. This will probably be the last time you're on the show before the primary to say whatever it is you want to say to the voters as they've gotten to know you a little bit better today and they're contemplating who they're going to vote for on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I guess what I'd say is is, I'm sure you've seen the negative ads against me, and the thing that I promise you is that I won't disappoint you. Uh, that, that's maybe the saddest part of running for office. One of the only sad parts is the number of people who came up to me and say, don't forget us, don't stab us in the back. Uh, we, we, we've done a lot of town halls. We're going to keep on doing town halls even after I'm elected, and I feel very confident that if you, if you give me your support and I'm lucky enough to get there, in a few years you're going to see what I've done, and you're going to say we're proud that we supported you, not we're – we're sad that we supported yet another rhino. And that, that, to me, is the most important thing, that I actually deliver on the things I said I would deliver on. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm going to be successful every single time. I'm only one of 100, but that I at least fought for the things that I told you I would fight for. I'm going to do it, and I hope that, that all of you give me your trust and give me your vote May 3rd. Well, I think that's the most important thing you can address, because I think that's been people's question, is, is this a guy I can trust? And I've met you. I don't know you really well, but I think it would take a special level of duplicity to tell people that they can trust you and then later on turn out to be a guy they can't trust. So I take you at your word on that. Uh, I appreciate you being available to come on the show. And um, I wish you well in your Central Ohio appearances and safe travels. And, uh, you know, if you win the primary, I'll be welcoming you back on this show Anytime, I'll do everything I can for any Republican candidate in the fall because there is no Democratic candidate who is pro-life, and so there is no Democratic candidate who is superior to any Republican candidate. So thank you for your time, J.D. I appreciate it very much. Thanks, Bruce. Take care, man. I hope you found the interview with J.D. Vance a little bit different, I guess, than other interviews I've done. I just thought it was important as he 
get closer to the election, I've become, have you, <laughs> uh, a little tired of all the commercials with all the same themes. I'm conservative. I'm this. I'm that. I served. I, you know, it's it's it gets overwhelming. I get it. There's a push. A lot of money at stake. Big job. Got to win it. Got to win the general election in November, whoever the Republican nominee is. And it would, I've said before, would not surprise me if Mandel, Gibbons, or Vance won. Would surprise me if Timken won, would demoralize me if Dolan won, because then I'd have to support him in the fall, because he'd still be infinitely superior to Tim Ryan. Uh, I don't. I, I I don't often make a mistake this big. I made one the other day, and I can say it's not my fault because it's not, but it still was a mistake, and I repeated someone else's error. When I was talking about the supposed heads-up that Frank LaRose, the Secretary of State, gave Madison Gilbert on the fact that Ohio's legislative districts, congressional districts, would be changing, that he gave her a three-hour head start on notifying Democratic candidates of what the legislative districts would be. That was not true. And the reason that was not true was because it was reported erroneously by sources around the state. I read it in the dispatch. I'm sure it appeared in other papers. It was probably the state news, uh, the... the uh, the bureau that contributes to the Cincinnati Enquirer, Columbus Dispatch, and all that. I don't want it to be confused with the uh, statenews.org, which is the PBS outlet. I don't know if they had it or not. But here's what happened. It was reported around the state and then repeated by me that LaRose texted Madison Gilbert at 2.11 p.m. Hey, the districts are going to be this. And then she switched the district she was going to run in into one where there was no incumbent. And then that Democratic candidates were apprised of the legislative districts at 5.11 p.m., three hours later. I should have been suspicious of that. <laughs> I should have been, I apologize. I should have been suspicious of that right away because for it to be exactly three hours later to the minute, well, it turns out there was an incorrect reading of a timestamp. Now, don't ask me why. Something that happens in an Eastern time zone is timestamp in one way with an Eastern timestamp, the text to Madison Gilbert, and in another way with a Pacific timestamp, the text to the other Democrats. But it was. But it was. And so Frank LaRose did not give anyone a heads up. And I'm chagrined that I repeated that mistake. I am uh, apologize to Frank LaRose. Nobody from his office reached out. Nobody's making me apologize. I just want to correct my errors when I make them. It's noteworthy, though. I have not seen that correction in the dispatch. The initial story made LaRose look bad. I've not seen them correct it. Maybe they did, but I've not seen that on their website. And LaRose is in an interesting spot because, of course, he says that Ohio's election was perfectly well done. Uh, Trump says it was not. We'll talk on the other side of the hour about 2,000 mules and what I learned by watching that. That's next in hour number two. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.